Hello everybody. Hello everyone. And welcome to The Mushroom, which is a podcast by Ministry of Funny hosted by myself, Harish and Terence, where we talk to people just doing cool shit, controversial shit, or anyone who we find interesting. And hopefully you find them interesting too. So our guest today is Dr. Prash, co-founder of Caleb and Brown, a Bitcoin brokerage based out of Melbourne. Um yeah, where we talk about mainly the philosophy of cryptocurrency. I mean, we learned a lot and hope you do too. Enjoy. So, of course, the first thing we would like to talk about today is Bitcoin, because that is a hot topic of the world. But my first question is, why the f- you're Singaporean, right? Yeah. Why the fuck do you have an accent? <laughs> the short answer, the short answer yeah. is that I never really had a Singaporean accent. Um, I grew up with my mum having the BBC World Service sort of glued to my left ear. Mm-hmm. And so I always grew up with a relatively neutral accent, which is fine now. It's great now. Um, but growing up as that kid with the wanky accent made me really, really popular. And I can attest up. to this because I know Prashant for 21 years, almost. I think so, yeah. Back in secondary school and you were an annoying wanky kid. <laughs> so wait, you must give the context. So you went to school in Singapore all the way until... I grew up in Singapore, was born and bred, did oh. NS here. Um, and then went to move to Australia 13 years ago. Okay. For all studies? Yep, for medical school. Medical school. And how come you haven't come back? Um, there are certain freedoms that are afforded one uh, in places like Australia. Yeah. Um, freedom of thought, um, cognitive liberties, uh, which perhaps aren't exercised to the same level in Singapore. Would be my way of answering that question. <laughs> Very, very nice. I see you've been asked this a lot. So, so you studied in Singapore, uh, went through the Singapore system, went through army, yes. uh, went to do medical school in, in Australia. Then how the hell did you end up doing Bitcoin? <laughs> That's the question I've been asked probably more often. Um, I, got into, I got into cryptocurrencies primarily because of the philosophy of it which is something that's probably worth talking about. Um, But that's Mm. really what drew me into it. Yes, there's the financial component of it. What really got me interested was the philosophy of it. And working in psychiatry, really at the end of the day, when you drill down to what psychiatry really is, it's a study in philosophy. It's a study of what is normal and what is abnormal. It's a study of how we assign normality to certain things and how we assign abnormality to certain things. Uh, it's, It's almost impossible to work and live in the psychiatric paradigm without considering philosophy. And... Cryptocurrencies is one of the first things that have come about recently, at least in modern times, that have really challenged one of, those, one of the primary underlying paradigms, philosophical paradigms we all live in, which is the philosophy behind value. So you didn't do it just to get rich? Not just. Okay. <laughs> helps though. <laughs> so now it certainly I, helps. Now are you still doing psychiatry? I still work at, yeah, I still work at the Alfred Hospital in Melbourne. You still do it. For how many, how many days a week? Uh, about two days a week. And the rest of your time is spent on Caleb and Brown, your Bitcoin brokerage. All of my time. Okay, so before we get into what a Bitcoin brokerage even is, right? Mm. So one, one, I, I've tried to read up a little bit on Bitcoin, but there's still so many things I'm, I'm not sure about. And I think a lot of the listeners and viewers of our channel would also have some idea. But if you could explain very layman-ish, right? Uh, what exactly Bitcoin is to a person just treat me like an idiot and that I have no idea what Bitcoin is I always have Harish. I always have for 20 years, um, <laughs> 20 years. this will not be a hard transition to make <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
Right. This is difficult because it very much comes down to how deep do you want to go into this. I think, this. okay, maybe we, we just do a very top line thing sure. first and then where we want to dig, we dig. We, yeah. we dig deeper. So the difficulty in understanding Bitcoin is that to understand Bitcoin, you first need to understand cryptocurrencies. To understand cryptocurrencies, you need to first understand blockchain technology, which is the underlying technology that, that underpins this. Mm-hmm. To understand blockchain technology, you need to first understand cryptography, which... Um, again, it's a sort of security protocol um, that determines all of this. And then you need to understand, take everything you know about money and financial markets and value and chuck it all out the window and then combine this, this, this vacuum that you've now created with all of this new knowledge. And that's where it starts. That's when you really start to understand um, what this new paradigm is. Okay. So the first thing you're telling me I need to do is forget everything I know about forget money. Everything you know about money. That's good because I thought I had to have some idea of what that is to be able to understand Bitcoin. Uh, no, it's actually it doesn't actually help very much. Um, I had someone recently go, explain Bitcoin to me. It's like, it'll take a while. It's like, just give it to me in three minutes. I have a finance degree. I was like, ooh, it's going to take a long time then. Okay. Um, mainly because we have very set ideas on what value is, on what money is, and what something, uh, when so, how something is assigned value. It's things that we don't ever question. Okay. For example, one of the things that we, uh, one of the criticisms that's often leveled against Bitcoin is that, oh, it has no intrinsic value. What is it? What is, what is it? It's just numbers, just numbers and uh, things that are on your computer. So well, you mean it's not backed like something like, like gold or something like that? That's often is. what it says. It's yeah. not backed. Um, but when you think about it, what, what, what intrinsic value does, do the numbers in your bank account really have? Uh, I mean, it has value because there are other things with ascribed value that you can use your money to purchase. Right. Yeah. So now you're saying that that is because someone else has determined that that is worth something. Yeah. That that man, that, which really is all value is. If something if someone is willing to pay something for something, then it has value. Okay. And with, a, with fiat currency or conventional currency, as we flat, know it, it we, call, we call it fiat currency. Fiat, fiat currency. That's right. right. Like the car. F-I-A-T. And what, what's that term? That's conventional money, dollar money, okay. pounds, sterling, yen. Okay. With common fiat currency, it's backed by a government. Mm-hmm. Right, a government this this is note is legal tender. The government has guaranteed that this is worth this particular much. Whereas cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin are backed by and solely by the users. They are returned to a true free market economy in that it's the users that determine the value of it. If a user says that I will pay you this much for a Bitcoin, then it's worth that much. If a user says I will pay you fourteen goats for a Bitcoin, then the value of a Bitcoin is fourteen goats. Okay. It's determined entirely and purely by the user as opposed to that by, the gov- by a government. Okay. Now, this can get problematic because people traditionally have used the government as uh, a trusted source. So I believe that this $10 note is worth $10 because the government says so because I believe in my government. Okay. That is dependent on one key principle, you believing in your government. Mm. It's well, all well and good if you live in Singapore where we all believe in our government. Uh, not all. <laughs> but that's a topic for another day. A topic for another day. Yeah. But you try saying that to someone in Venezuela who's had to cart wheelbarrows of cash down to the grocery store to buy, store to buy a loaf of bread. Yeah. You try saying this to you know, your grandmother who lived in the time of the Japanese occupation and had to do the same money. thing with banana money. Yeah. Uh, you try telling someone in Iceland whose currency was devalued in half in the time of the financial crisis. You tell any of them about government-backed and they laugh in your face. Okay. Um, which 
leads us to really question what this idea of government back really means and how much trust we give to a government backed currency in the first place. Okay. Cryptocurrencies are backed by one thing, which is mathematics. They're all defined by an algorithm, and mathematics is irrefutable, it's immutable, can never But be changed. Like, like, well, so, what do you mean defined by mathematics? Because previously you said the value is defined by the users. Sorry, that is true. Yeah. Um, the, consider governments can devalue currencies. Yeah. Governments can cause inflation, governments can print more money, whereas with cryptocurrencies, because they're all defined, defined by mathematics and an equation, you can't do any of that. Okay. It's all set. So maybe even before talking about how cryptocurrencies uh, seem like an improvement to the current monetary system, what is a cryptocurrency? Okay, should probably start with that, shouldn't we? No, that's fine. It's yeah. free-flowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Free-flowing, yeah. So cryptocurrencies are digital assets. Conventionally, they're talked about as digital currencies. We we're trying to move away from the term digital currencies because they're not just currencies. A currency is something we use for exchange. Whereas some of some of them, some of the digital assets, some of the cryptocurrencies are better as value stores, for example. Okay. Um, they are. Um, if you want to talk about them as currencies, they are online currencies in a way that they're electronically exchanged. Um, they're not backed by a government. They are not backed by a bank. Um, the key component behind mm. them is that they are a decentralized economy. So a bank would be a centralizing uh, agency. And these are economies that have no centralizing centralizing agency. So, so then, where does the Bitcoin come from? Mm. So, the Bitcoin was written into an algorithm. Now, okay. the history of Bitcoin is very murky, and Bitcoin is only one of the many cryptocurrencies out there. Yeah. The history mm. is incredibly murky. Its creation is attributed to someone or some people or something <laughs> called Satoshi Nakamoto. Okay. Um, no one knows who it is. No one knows how many people that is. Um, And he or it has been credited with writing the original code, um, which designed this protocol, and that was then launched into the well, effectively the internet, um, and that has become the algorithm that defines Bitcoin today. Okay. The very first Bitcoin transaction uh, that we know of was uh, one Bitcoin for two pizzas, mm. based so, on current market value. That's yeah. about. A seven and a half US thousand dollar pizza. Damn. <laughs> so, so that means uh, Bitcoin. Okay. So, like a bank has money in, uh, like it controls, it regulates mm. the flow of money, like the, the cash flow in the economy. Um, so, am I right to say that Bitcoin is like a bank in the internet that is run by its users? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Except there is no bank per yeah. se. So there isn't one. A central agency that controls how much that is worth. Okay. Its value is designed solely by how much people are willing to pay for it. So that means how many Bitcoin are there? So one of the key things that differentiate Bitcoin from other digital assets, a lot of other digital assets, is that there are fixed number of Bitcoin. There will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin. That's been written into the algorithm, mm -hmm. and not all of them have been released as yet. Okay. So then what releases Bitcoin? So there's a process known as Bitcoin mining. Yeah, I've heard that. You've lot. heard that term. Yeah. And if you assume that it's a bunch of little leprechauns sitting inside a computer sort of hacking away, mm -hmm. uh, no, that was mm -hmm. a nice romantic ideal. Um, but it's a complex uh, means of, it's a computer solving very complex mathematical problems effectively, okay. uh, which requires a huge amount of computing power. And as 
the computers, the various nodes or miners all around the world, all competing to, to solve these puzzles. And these puzzles are essentially deciphering the transactions that are happening along the Bitcoin oh, network. Oh, so these puzzles are not meaningless puzzles? No, 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 no. It's not some weird Mensa IQ oh. test. No, uh, they, they, We call them puzzles, sense. but it's a mathematical equation that it's trying to work out to legitimize all the transactions that are happening in the system. Okay. Um, and as it's almost like a lottery that at certain time intervals, as a certain number of these equations get solved, a new Bitcoin is released. Okay. And that's written into the algorithm. Mm. Um, and so when that gets released, it, that will get assigned to the miner who has uh, gotten through and solved as many of those puzzles or equations that are necessary to then release that coin. So it's like a, yeah, it's like a real-time examiner. Almost, yeah. Okay. Uh, now, having those miners, those computers solving these equations are necessary to keep the network running. Okay. Because that's what keeps the transaction loop flowing. Um, and how do you incentivize these miners to keep this transaction loop going? The incentivization comes from this Bitcoin being released every now and then. So it's actually a really clever system that self-modulates and self-rewards rewards people to... I, I think of it as like, um, if you... Streets would be a lot cleaner if you knew that there were gold coins like little or gold specks scattered every now and then. It would incentivize people to go out there and sweep the streets voluntarily if they knew that every now and then they would find a little gold nugget. Uh, so, so if I'm hearing correctly, it means that the computers are like uh, competing to solve those puzzles and every time they solve that puzzle, they get rewarded with uh, some, some form of compensation. With a, right? Yes, a with, a, with a Bitcoin that gets released. Okay, and, and that actually is the process of... Um, Tracking. Mining, mining and creating new coins and it's a process of tracking the transactions that are that are happening throughout I the see, network I see okay uh, now the there will, like I said there will only ever be 21 million bitcoin that, mm. that number is fixed I can't remember what percentage we are at at the moment something like 70 to 80% have been mined uh, as we get closer and closer and closer the interval between the time when these these coins get released will get longer and longer and longer so coins will be released less frequently, oh, which okay. you would think rationally would de-incentivize de people from continuing to run this process. But consider that the value of Bitcoin is also going up faster and faster and faster. So the more Bitcoins are worth, even if the, the, the number of, even if you're only going to get a Bitcoin once every two weeks or once every week or once every three days mm. as opposed to previously when you were getting it one, one, one a day um, if at that point a Bitcoin was worth 2000 but now it's worth $20,000 it's still worth your time yeah so that means so just to clarify my own understanding right now it's almost like after every X minutes or hours a bunch of Bitcoin will be released yeah and it goes to almost like the highest bidder except yes, that they're no with their computational, computational power, power. Mm. yeah holy shit yeah and this computational power requires huge amounts of energy and what the computers are computing is stuff that you said uh, record like records the transactions of yeah and keeps the and keeps the network running think of it as like a constant maintenance okay yeah so then Okay, so right now they're incentivized to do the work so that the, uh, when the Bitcoins are released, they will get it. But what happens at the end of the cycle when we have all 21 million in the system? Well, the theory goes that you will never actually hit the 21 million ever. So it's mm. almost like a projection towards infinity. Also, it's like radioactive decay kind of thing. 
Yes, yes, to make it sound <laughs> to make it sound really, really ominous. So it's like radioactive decay. So Please explain radioactive decay. Yeah. Harsh. So, so radioactive decay, from what I understand, is there's this term called a half life, yep. which means that uh, let's say you start with hundred of something. That means if it takes five hours to go down to fifty, that means that the half life is five hours. But from fifty to twenty-five, the half life could be ten hours. Then from twenty-five to twelve point five, the half life would be twenty-eight hours. Will it ever hit zero? Yeah, so technically or approximate it, or, yeah, towards yeah, zero approximate may not zero. ever hit zero. So that's oh. this. So that means like maybe in 20 years down the road, one Bitcoin might come every five years, but it might be worth five million. Correct. So in addition to the releasing of new Bitcoins, with every transaction that happens within the Bitcoin network. Now, this is where we've got to get back to understanding blockchain technology. Yeah. So blockchain technology is based on the idea of a, what they call a blockchain. So the key principle behind cryptocurrencies and this technology is that, let's say that first transaction we talked about, the two Bitcoin, uh, one pizza for two, sorry, two pizzas for a Bitcoin. Yeah. Assume that was the first ever transaction. Now that, that single Bitcoin, if you even consider it a thing, right, let's say that next transaction that happened, that gets recorded in a ledger, almost like written down a book. Let's, let's start again. Let's stay here. I have a Bitcoin yeah. and mm. I pay it to you. That gets written down in a book, in a ledger. Okay. Then when you pay Terence that Bitcoin, when Terence receives that Bitcoin, what he receives is not a coin. What he receives effectively is that book, which reads Prash to Haresh to Terence. Mm. Now you pay someone else, you pay someone else. Now 100 transactions down the line, that what that person receives is a book that reads Prash to Haresh to Terence to Sophie to Monk to... And it goes on and on and on. The idea of the blockchain is a ledger that's continuous, never gets changed, never gets destroyed. Okay. Well, so then who does that recording? The com- now that's, that's, what all, that's what a lot of the computational power is based on. Oh. Each of these transactions need to be recorded onto the blockchain. It needs to be registered onto the blockchain and needs to be conf- confirmed by other nodes on the network. And how is to, that done? To, to validate the authenticity of it. Again, that's going to technicalities of the computational power. But again, it's that same computational network putting okay. in power. And so for every one of these Bitcoin transactions, there's a small fee, which is a small mm. percentage fee that gets paid. And that is determined based on how busy the network is, how quickly you want to get these transactions across. And the miners take a very, very small fee. And it's a tiny microscopic fee. Mm. But that all adds up for one and over time more and more people are coming on board to add computational power to this network so that total pool is being divided by a lot more people but again as you start to think about how you incentivize people to keep this going uh, over time what the fuck <laughs> see people are not supposed to drill during working hours <laughs> was drilling I thought it was a cow or something <laughs> 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 But yeah, yeah. Sorry, computational. <laughs> over time, over time. As the power, as the price of Bitcoin increases, yeah. Then even if there's multiple people competing for the same uh, amount of transactions that that go that that carry out, and for the same percentage of that transaction fee, um, because it's a percentage game. When the value of a Bitcoin is two hundred thousand dollars, that percentage game will be worth a lot more than now when the value of Bitcoin is. 
$20,000. So that means, unlike, okay, regular currency, if I have $2, yeah. uh, or if I don't have $2, I'm going to lunch, I have Terrence, let me $10, he gives me $10, and the next day I give him back. Yeah. It sounds a lot easier than having to go through this process of like handing over Bitcoin. That's true. And that is why uh, I don't see Bitcoin ever becoming a replacement for fiat currency. Or for mm. Oh, you don't? Currency. I don't. So... That's why there are so many other cryptocurrencies. Isn't that sacrilegious in the Bitcoin community? It is not, because you must let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> there are there are a whole heap of other cryptocurrencies out there which are traditionally known as alt currencies, mainly because they are alternates to Bitcoin. Bitcoin has got a lot of um, there are a lot of reasons why Bitcoin will not be a currency that's used day to day. Its transaction the transaction fees start to get expensive. Um, transaction times can be very slow. There are, there are all these reasons that, like you, like you just said, this whole process can be quite convoluted. Mm-hmm. But Bitcoin's future, we'll talk about that in a bit maybe, is as a value store. There are other currencies, there are current, the, the currencies like Litecoin, there are currencies like EOS, which have their own value proposition, particular value proposition in that the transaction fees may be very low, their transaction speeds may be really quick, and they're the ones that will start to become the currencies that we use. Okay, if that makes sense. So, so you're saying that there's there'll be no point in the future where we go to a supermarket and like, oh, this thing costs how many Bitcoin or that I'm buying a house and that it's going to cost. Hey, Darren, give me a drink. I I need some Bitcoin. Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, no, but there. it may be something else. Maybe a different digital currency. So, are okay. you saying that digital currencies? Okay, Bitcoin is not going to replace fiat currencies, but digital currencies will. That's the way I see the world developing. Okay. Yeah. So. That means digital currencies, Bitcoin is one of many digital, digital currencies. Yes. Um, and not is every digital currency cryptocurrency? Yes. It is. Mm-hmm. They, they're sort of interchangeable because they're, they're based, based on cryptography. Okay. And cryptography, I mean, if you break it down, cryptography means that, that some coded code. It's encryption. Code. It's, yeah, encryption. it's complex okay. encryption and how you secure, maintain the security of a network or the transaction using, okay. using encryption. Okay, so my layman understanding is that it's it's meant to be something that stores value, a bit like what uh, you know, old woman putting money underneath a mattress. You talking about Bitcoin? Future. Yeah, B- yeah, Bitcoin. Yeah. So it's not, but maybe transactionally, it's not the best solution. It's not for the best solution, but there are other uh, alt currencies which will be useful for that purpose. Okay. When you start thinking of these alt currencies, and there are so many of them now, you start to realize the, the simplicity or the lack of sophistication of fiat currency as we know it now, which is, like, which is one thing that is used for all these different purposes. Just wait it's for that nice. drilling to stop. It's, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, fiat currencies are very they're simple. They're mm-hmm. very unsophisticated. It's one thing that we use for everything. Whereas alt currencies, each particular currency has its own value proposition. So, for example, we talked about things like Litecoin. It's called Litecoin. It's fast, it's quick, it's cheap, it's easy to transact. Um, you have things like Ethereum, which you may have heard of. It's got yeah. the second mm-hmm. largest market capital after, after Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, Ethereum's, Ethereum's main value proposition is in B2B transactions. So business-to-business transactions. It has systems built in called smart contracts, which probably too much to go into, but effectively mm. think of money that pays that pays itself. So where you can set up a smart contract where almost if this sort of an if this then that sort of protocol and the, the contract will, will, um, will pay itself out, which mm. is pretty fascinating in terms of the prospects that that holds for business to business relations. Whereas you can't do any of that with money. Yeah. You know, we, we live in a time where the different currencies are defined by geographical boundaries, not by usage boundaries. 
but hopefully we can move away from those geographical boundaries to different currencies being, being defined by the value that they provide. So you're saying that fiat currencies are going to be obsolete soon. What they're replaced by, we don't know. We don't know. I, I, I look forward to the day where the money you hold isn't worth the paper it's printed on. I don't think that will happen in our lifetime. I'm sure it will happen in uh, our lifetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but perhaps at some point in the future. So, okay, the one thing, like, right now, as much as um, you can imagine, okay, for monetary systems to be set up for, for over the past decades, you needed a government. Yes. But then now, if the government is hearing, like, there's this free market money, I don't know, like, growing up in Singapore, right, like, there always needs to be someone in charge of something. So when, you, when, when this kind of thing gets out, right, yeah. is Singapore ready for this or not? I know Singapore's not ready for Indian Prime Minister. Is it ready for <laughs> cryptocurrency? Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Now, I know the MAS has been, um, has been quite welcoming of this change. I don't know how much of that is uh, because they truly see this as this, this philosophical change that they want to embrace or how much of this is because they're shitting themselves and they desperately need to get a, a handle on this or how much of this is because they see how much money there is to be made and they want to get a, you know, their slice of the pie. All, all three of which are very valid reasons to, to, to get involved. Yeah. Um, but MAS has been uh, allowing or at least they, they haven't been putting all that many regulatory restrictions on things like ICOs that are happening in Singapore. I'm here in Singapore working on um, you know, to meet with some of the guys who are releasing one of the big ICOs that's coming out in Singapore. Okay, I'm going to ask you where an ICO is in a minute. In a minute. In a minute. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So I think it will happen. Um, Singapore will, never wants to fall behind the curve, uh, at least in financial terms. It's always prided mm. itself on being on the forefront of the financial industry. Yeah. So it would, be, it would be stupid for them to ignore this. So, okay, so I still have a lot of questions. So, okay, Bitcoin, crypto, okay, blockchain. Yes. What, what's blockchain? So blockchain is what we were talking about earlier in terms yeah. of the ledger. Okay. Mm. The ledger mm. that continues on from the start, okay. uh, from the time you first start recording it, and that it cannot be destroyed. You can't ever go back and change it. Oh. Um, and it, it, it continues on for the end of, till the end of time. So, so, so pop, pop culture reference is kind of like that Game of Thrones. They have that whole ledger of who married who and who are the relations between all the different houses. And that just lasts forever. That. And you go back to the library and check it when you and need you to know. It. Exactly. Uh. Which means that it has a lot of purposes outside of cryptocurrencies. Yeah. So things like uh, medical records, I see as one of the big users of, of, of blockchain technology. Yeah. So if you can put medical records on the blockchain, then your medical records all of a sudden become instantly available to you. Uh, it can be taken anywhere. It can't be changed. It can be accessed by anyone. And you have that. How many times have you looked back and, hey, when did I have, when did I have that TV shot? When did I have my last tetanus booster? Yeah. I don't know. I so, can't remember. So but it's all on the blockchain. But you could argue that systems that are in place now, they do have a chronological sequence of all your appointments, right? True. So in some way, that is a gradual buildup of everything you've done. So how is blockchain different? Well, for one, these systems don't necessarily integrate well with each other. So one hospital... Oh, you mean like CGH, SGH? Yeah, exactly. You integrate well? You're kidding me. <laughs> I mean, even just paper and digital, right? They're Don't like, integrate yeah, well, yeah. 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 And yes, you, you can say, you can say, well, oh, no, but why can't we just convert everything to digital? And then, well, oh, then we put it all in a cloud and we can do... Yes, yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do with our current present paradigms and present technologies. Yeah. But why not with a future technology that, that, that will so, streamline all of this? Then what makes it so hard to change previous records in a blockchain? Can, can, you is you it, can't. You is can't a blockchain a term? 
Oh, blockchain. Yeah, yeah, okay. it is a term. So that blockchain is that one continuous thread. Yeah. And the whole point is that you cannot change it. And it's useful. Is there a reason why you cannot? Or what? what That's the whole principle behind it. The whole point is that it cannot be changed. It's If it's happened, it's mm-hmm. been recorded. Why would you want to go back and change it? I mean, you never know, man. I mean, okay, so I, one thing I know about Bitcoin is that it got big on the dark web yes. for drug deals and like... So given that there's always going to be people out there who want to fuck things over and like bring the world down and just fuck things up, I'm guessing there'll be at least a few people who would want to go back and change a part of a blockchain. So is there something particular about blockchain that prevents it from being changed? Um, or is that too technical? It is, yeah. That, that is probably getting too, too technical other than the fact that that is the entire basis. It's already been written down. Yeah. It's been, the pin's been written down and you got, there's, there's no liquid paper. Mm. There's no liquid paper. What if there's what if someone invents the liquid paper? Because when people invented pens, yeah, no, there was no say, liquid yeah, paper. Like, oh, <laughs> That's right. you can rob. That's right. You can't rob this. Yeah, and yeah. Some fucker invented yeah. liquid paper. They, they, I'll, yeah, never say never. Yeah. Um, but blockchain technology, as we know it, is incredibly secure. Okay. Um, and okay. thus far, we have to believe in the technology that we do have. Oh, but just, just a point that you said earlier that I thought was interesting was that. Finance people studied finance like myself actually. Yeah, yeah like like so yeah so like <clears throat> what we're doing now. I mean, <laughs> I think if anything, the financial crisis showed that studying finance doesn't mean that you understand everything. Yeah. yeah. But do you think that that's a big part of the reason why like a lot of bosses of big banks and like JP Morgan and all are coming down on Bitcoin? If you think if you think of uh, the number of times so my, my my mom sends me articles like every second day she sends me snapshots of articles about Bitcoin. And half of them are you know, doomsday articles. Yeah. About it. It's the next, it's a bubble. It's the next tulip craze. It's the, and if you look at a lot of the people who are the doomsday naysayers of Bitcoin, you look at who they are. One of the most important things is who is this person? And it will be Jamie Dimon, CEO mm. JP Morgan. It's all the big banks. It's everyone who's got something to lose. Um, I, you then have to start to wonder what the, what's, the, what's the private Bitcoin wallet of Jamie Dimon? Mm. Do you think he hasn't mm. gotten onto it himself? Not an idiot. So, so you guys are like sticking it to the man. So we like to think that's the whole purpose of this entire revolution. Yeah. It was born from a dissatisfaction with existing financial markets, as demonstrated in the from the global financial crisis. When was the paper by what's the guy's name? Uh, oh. Satoshi Nakamoto. When was it published? I should know this. Because uh, <laughs> I. Think yeah. 2008, 2009? Yeah, oh, I right, think I right. heard it was around the time of the financial yeah, it was crisis. All, it stems from that dissatisfaction. That's Very almost like so. a TV show, man. Like, have you watched Mr. Robot before? I haven't seen Mr. Robot. Have you watched Mr. You've watched it? Yeah. Bit, so yeah. It, it deals with something about this group of hackers who want to like fuck the system and bring yeah. it all down. But I guess this is a step further because it's bringing, it's almost like bringing down the old system and coming up with a new system. Exactly. Yeah. There's a movement called the, which cryptocurrency revolution fits into the ANCAP movement the anarchic capitalist movement mm. which sounds <laughs> apart from sounding really cool and be a great name for like a heavy metal band yeah. um, it also it combines two things which you don't normally combine like uh, uh, anarchists and capitalists are, yeah. not, are not, not necessarily two mutually beneficial entities in the conventional sense um, but in this sense it certainly is it's about uh, sort of deploying an anarchic paradigm to capitalism, almost breaking it down and then recreating it from the ground up. Yeah, because whenever people want to break things down, I mean, it's nice because there are there are always problems with the incumbent system. Mm-hmm. But if people just want to break it down, it's kind of fucked up, right? You know, they don't propose anything else. So it's like, this is like a, the cooler version of 
constructive feedback. <laughs> it is the cooler right. version it's constru- of yeah. constructive Bitcoin feedback. Bitcoin is constructive feedback. It is constructive feedback, yeah. But, but so right now, I mean, what, what's interesting about what you're saying to me is that uh, you're also pointing out the flaws of Bitcoin in the sense like certain transactions take yeah. longer than usual. So there's, I mean, there is an ex- so-called exuberance around like people jumping in and buying Bitcoin and not really understanding it. I mean, do you think that's a wise thing for people? Oh, no, I worry about it. So let's even consider the mar- what's happened in the market recently, right? Um, Bitcoin was trading at about 10,000 USD and it went up very rapidly in the space of a couple of weeks. It almost doubled. Yeah. Um, in one sense, it was good for business because everyone was jumping on board. I didn't like it. I got really, I got really concerned because there's, there's one thing about people who understand the technology who understand the system and are going into it because of that for that reason it's something completely different when you're people who are just jumping like you said on the bandwagon just solely because there's money to be made mm. the problem with that is that those people who are just jumping on it just purely for the money and don't understand the system is that with the slightest tremor and they'll jump out mm. the same the slightest tremor and they'll jump out and when they all when they jump out their fellow comrades jumped on for the same reason will jump out with them and will cause uh, a massive dip in the price and then that will be the crash and that will be the bubble has burst and it's the same people who jumped on for the wrong reasons would get out for the wrong reasons and they're the same people who then look back and go see I told you so mm-hmm. it wasn't the problem with the technology it wasn't the problem with the market it wasn't the problem with the currency itself the problem as is often the case is people yeah but I mean that's essentially I mean like in general stock market behavior as much as you can put research about it a lot yeah. of it's psychological as oh, well without right? a doubt yeah. so so is this something that you almost see as inevitable much like the internet bubble you know it popped but slowly the internet has still has, has taken so over. much influence yeah. is, is, is Bitcoin going down a similar path I think so um, although it's going it's doing that with a lot more up and downs mm. and a lot more volatility and that's uh, that's unfortunate that is the way it is um, because it's become it's become quite it's, it's become so much in the mainstream in a lot of ways uh, access to the market has be- is still difficult people still don't know how to get on board yeah. um, but at least knowledge about the fact that there's money to be made has become very mainstream and it's that that crucial knowledge inequality that I know there's money to be made I don't understand anything about it but I know there's money to be made that, that gap that knowledge disparity is I think what makes it dangerous and leads to a lot of this volatility but but so so how much do you actually need to be you know a savvy so called investor? How much do you need to know? Yeah, like like after what? Yeah, after what we discussed today, does that mean that we're ready to? Yeah, can jump we go tell our friends like, hey, fuck you, you know, I understand <laughs> cryptocurrency, <laughs> blockchain, motherfuckers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can get t-shirt made, t-shirts made, yeah, yeah. exactly, and then start a boy band. Yeah, that's what teammates are doing outside, just listening in and blockchain yeah, motherfuckers, anarchist, anarchism, and Um you'd know more than you did before and that's already something okay. that's that, that, I, no, but, but, like, I, I knock my head against the wall I know more than but know before. Like, how much know, more do we in know in an ideal world yeah, yeah, like, yeah like in an ideal world how much you know should people know and, and you know so that they're ready um, for it don't invest in something that you don't understand and so if you are throwing money into a currency that you've never heard of you don't understand the underlying value proposition behind it. You know, someone, some, a friend comes to you and says, oh, you should invest in EOS. Why? Because I made this much of it and you're going into it, you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. But if you understand the value pr- proposition behind it and you go, you know, I think that will have 
a good case, there's a good case for this to exist in the future. There's a, I understand the value proposition behind it. I understand, I think about what the future will look like. And I think that this will fit quite seamlessly and well into the future. Then, then you're getting into it because you see that as your way of getting a slice of what is in the future, mm. which is quite different from, I see this as a means to make a very quick buck. Mm. And if you can justify to yourself that that's the reason why you're getting into it, apart from the natural cognitive dissonance that we will all use to, to justify why we want to make a quick buck, mm. if you can truly justify to yourself that that's why you think this is a good investment, then it's a good investment. Mm. So, so okay, going back to something you said earlier about how if I think a Bitcoin is worth 14 goats and everyone thinks it's worth 14 goats, that's what the value is. Right? Yeah. So, but then what if, uh, okay, so assuming there were like maybe 15 million Bitcoin in circulation now, there's a value right now is what, like 15,000 US? 15,000 right. ish. Yeah. So assuming in future when it is a full-on currency and what would cause the value to go down or up? Like people's perception of what a Bitcoin is worth? worth? Yeah. People willing to pay more. But how would... Who, who's describing that $15,000? Yeah. So there are world markets. There are exchanges mm. on which people are exchanging Bitcoin for fiat currency okay. yeah um and that's essentially where the, this value is decided so in that way it's not too different to mm. the stock markets in terms of uh when people start to sell yeah they will so assuming you have a stock which is worth three dollars and you decide this is not going to cut it i want to sell if you put it for three dollars and ten cents then you, you may leave it there for a week and no one will buy it and you cut the price down you cut the price down you cut the price down you go actually you know what? i'm going to put it for two dollars 98 cents and then someone buys it. And so then the price, the last sale price becomes $2.98. And then someone else goes, oh shit, it's $2.98. I'll put my number $2.96 and then it gets sold. And then it goes, drops lower and lower and lower. And it's that sort of, that's the kind of thing that makes the price go down. That's exactly the same for the cryptocurrency market as well. But like, I mean, when you say stocks, I mean, stocks are shares of a company. And like, you know, when a company does well, does well, the stock prices go up and down. I'm probably going to ask this a lot because right. as much as, you know, you say like the, the one big argument people say is Bitcoin is not based in anything that's quantifiable or real. That's some, I'm still more along the lines of that. So that's true. It's, 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 not, it's not quantified. It's not backed by a company's yeah. reserves, for example. Yeah, exactly. And or it a company's isn't. performance. Yes, or exactly. So, yeah. so, okay, let's say in future when fiat currencies are obsolete, now I think people can still put a place on the value of a Bitcoin because there's a fiat currency anchor. Yeah. This equals 15,000 US. Assuming you take away all fiat currencies, Bitcoin philosophically philosophically should still be able to function, right? Yep. So in that instance, what is the value of a Bitcoin? Or is everyone open to their own interpretation? So how about the value of your currency at the moment? Yeah. Which isn't backed by a company's reserves, a company's assets. Yeah. What determines the value of that? The government. And exactly. people's, and, yeah, what, what people and people's perception. Yeah, what people, yeah. And that's what, what, what we're coming people... down to. So take the government side out of it, take the bank side out of it, and leave it as solely as what people are willing to pay. It becomes a close, a relatively closed loop system in terms of, or, or if, assuming all of the value, which I don't think will ever truly be the case, but let's just take for argument's sake that all of the value has now been put into this closed loop uh, cryptocurrency system. Yeah. Then the only the transactions of value will be between uh, different cryptocurrencies. Yeah. Mm. The total amount of value will stay the same, but it will start to be exchanged between different cryptocurrencies depending on which one sees more value. 
So in that case, because okay, now one thing that the current markets can do is if the currencies are sliding, you know, the government can inflate or deflate the currency, right? So in future, let's say one guy buys up all Bitcoin because am I right to say that the value of a Bitcoin also has something to do with the scarcity of it? Yes. Right. So if entirely. Yeah. So if a some guy manages to buy like 14.999 million of all the 15 million Bitcoin as one Bitcoin left. Yep. And if it's based on how that can function in a network with that one Bitcoin, he can't really do much. Yep. So does the value of that Bitcoin drop a lot? Well, depends how you... Actually, conversely, yeah. the value of the Bitcoin will increase immensely because that one Bitcoin will become incredibly rare. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to fight about. However, so its use as a value store will become will increase because really there's only one oh. Bitcoin left in transaction that the entire world is fighting over yeah. in this dystopian reality. However, its use as a currency, as a transactable currency, will go down dramatically because a currency is determined by its functionality, by oh, how much it's used. Also, oh, it's a more of a stored value. So. I think I see Bitcoin. We we keep using the term Bitcoin and cryptocurrency interchangeably. Yeah. And I, you know, I haven't mm. the the purists. I'll, I'll get slaughtered after this by the purists for doing this. But yeah. for for the purposes of, of lay conversation, it's probably easier. But the if we're talking about Bitcoin in itself, its main value proposition in the future is as a value store, not as a currency. Think of it as a replacement mm-hmm. for gold. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, gold. Why is gold valuable? Because it's scarce, and that's it. Yeah, that's like that's the only reason why it has its value. People say, "Oh, but gold is it's pretty and it's used in jewelry." And like, gold isn't valuable because it's used in jewelry. Gold mm-hmm. is used in jewelry because it's, it's valuable. valuable. Yeah. Because my you know all our all our aunties want to show off when they go to the wedding, right? Yeah. That's why gold is valuable. Yeah. Um, and until now, we haven't had anything else that's been uh, a limited resource in the same way. Gold is the clo- only thing we've had all this while, which is the closest thing we have to a purely limited resource. Gold isn't practical, though, in a lot of ways. It's not transactable. It's not mm-hmm. portable. We can't carry it down. You can't divide it. You can't walk around with a gold block and start like shaving off bits of it to pay for things. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now, all of a sudden, we have the first thing, which is truly a limited resource, but it's coupled with uh, the transactability, the portability of cash. I walk out... I travel uh, when, I, you know, when I'm going through airports and the forms you figure out, are you carrying more than $10,000 worth of, worth of cash, and worth of currency? You laugh at it because, no, I'm not, but I've got you know, $200,000 in a USB stick in your pocket. You could be, mm. um, but that, that somehow doesn't, that, that, that doesn't compute on, uh, on still conventional models of measuring how we're moving money. Um, but the point is now we can, with the same value store, is coupled with all the benefits of a currency and that's what Bitcoin promises in the future. Oh. So I guess what you're saying is that as much as we think that oh, money is valuable because it's backed by gold, the perception that gold is very valuable is in some way constructed artificially. Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, and what Bitcoin has now done is that it has managed to artificially construct value in this bunch of numbers and all that that has now reached a level of gold per sailor. It has. And the idea is that we'll start to replace I guess, gold I guess in the that long makes term. sense. Because even if you take the case of lobsters, right? Yeah. Do you know the history of lobsters? No. In the 50s, it was actually prisoner food. Because they were always known as cockroaches of the sea. Right, yeah. I don't know what made it become a delicacy, but the moment people's perception changed, yeah. 
its value increased. Yep. And then I guess it is disgusting by by nature of it being at the bottom of sea seas, but it was a something made it become valuable. There's and a there's a story about potatoes mm. um, and how no one wanted to. I can't remember now. This is a better story if I remembered it. Uh, I can't remember which country it was or which time in history it was where I'm going to say it's somewhere in England uh, where potatoes were not eaten. They were mm. just not eaten. The farmers wouldn't farm it. Um, it was just not considered uh, a food of any form until there was a massive famine and the king and his court had to decide what are we going to do? And we're like, well, there's potatoes, but no one wants to eat the damn potatoes. So the, the crown planted all these potato crops and then they installed guards to guard these potato crops and mm. they fenced up these potato crops and they had these guards positioned all around but with like some strategic gaps and so the peasants went what is all of this yeah. and so they started sneaking in they started stealing the potatoes in the middle of the night and then potatoes became a thing that was stolen and the king's food and the delicacy and then they started planting the potatoes. Is that a true story? It is a true story. Oh, I can say it's a better story if I remembered the story. It's kind, of, it's kind of like the, in Singapore, sometimes some stores, retail stores, when they launch products, <laughs> yeah. they hire people, people and put them in queues. And then people are yeah. like, oh shit, what's that? It looks like good yeah. shit, you know? And it, it's like abalone. I've tried abalone like four times in my yeah. life. I fucking hated it each time. <laughs> hey, don't shit on abalone. No, man. fuck this. Okay? Abalone tastes like, like wet rubber. You know those areas? <laughs> you do that, but for some reason, it's so yeah. valuable. Yeah. Because mm. it's, a, it's a perception thing. So Bitcoin, all the value is a perception thing. Bitcoin is the modern day abalone. Can we not say that, please? Dude, I just got your tagline for your, for your <laughs> Please, no, don't <laughs> shit all over my profession. Like, help please. us. We'll, we'll help you trade your abalone. <laughs> is it abalone or abalone? Abalone. Abalone, yeah, yeah. Abalone. There you go. Okay, wow. so so then okay, so right now Bitcoin has value. Uh from just a whole bunch of factors. Like. I think one thing you can argue is that the when people had like I mean the value has come through this very smart system of like people mining it and getting it and like but would you say that Bitcoin would have gotten to where it was if it wasn't for its its shady beginnings? Because it almost sounds like the dark web was the first thing that actually ascribed some some aspect of value to a Bitcoin. Um, okay, let's let I mean, if we ask the question, I wouldn't say that it wouldn't have come this way if not for the dark web. In fact, if it hadn't come from the dark web, we wouldn't have a lot of problems we're having now. Because um, for mm. people like me who are trying to get it more more into the mainstream and trying to, uh, there's a lot of stigma that so, comes with okay. it because for a long time Bitcoin just people knew Bitcoin as that things that you buy drugs with, yeah, or that right. things, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. and the things that you buy weapons with, and yeah. the things that fund terrorism. That's what they knew it. But that's because the first people to catch on to new technologies are people who are desperately looking for a way to circumvent current models. Like porn. Like porn. <laughs> oh my God. Right? When 360 video started becoming a thing, I think even yeah. like one of the first industries to catch, catch yeah. on was the porn industry. DVDs, right? Blu-rays, everything. It's everything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And similarly, uh, the, the drug industry. Yeah. Because they're trying to circumvent current models, whereas the rest of us are so deeply rooted in our current paradigms. We're so comfy in our plush little chairs of the present that we don't bother to think of a way to get out of this and move towards the future. There's no reason. There's no impetus for change. Whereas these interest- industries are, forced, are being forced to constantly reinvent themselves. So any new technology, they're going to be the first to jump on board. And so that's why it happened. 
It happened as a matter of, a matter of, matter of circumstance. That, that almost proves its worth. It does. Yeah. Of course right. it does. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. like, I, I, I think the video format also was kind of dictated by what did the best for porn. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, fucking hell. Yeah. Man. So, so, so just space? a question, because our audience sometimes veers younger as well. Yeah. So, you're saying that a finance degree wouldn't make sense for better understanding Bitcoin and everything, but... Then what? What would you need to study, or what? I wouldn't say would. I wouldn't say it won't make sense, but it does mean there's a lot of pre-existing knowledge that you have to dump. Okay. Um, and a pre lot of pre-existing notions and misconceptions that you have to dump about yeah. things like value, like we've talked about. We need to reconceptualize the way you think of value completely okay. to try and understand um, the cryptocurrency paradigm. So, so for for people who are working in the Bitcoin industry right now, like yourself, what what kind of skills or knowledge or background? you actually require to to be in it it's very hard to say they they there's there's very i can't think of one uh, apart from inquisitiveness mm. um i can't think of one particular trait that's necessary my background is medical i'm a doctor yeah. um and yet i've gotten into this because i was interested in it um and if i think of my office and the people who are you know, the guys i have my brokers they come from very diverse backgrounds. Like what kind of? Uh, I've got another doctor who's a cosmetic physician. Oh, I've really? got a guy who ran his own guerrilla marketing company who has who sold that and is now uh, partnered with us. Um, I've got a couple of young guys who um, have left halfway through their finance uh, degrees to come and do this because they see a greater future in this. Um, so there's quite a quite a yeah quite a diverse background I've got an, uh, an actor um, who is sort of doing this on the side and all it requires is inquisitiveness so would you say mm. Bitcoin to the financial industry is kind of like what internet was to media in the sense that it's, it's a new technology that has so many potential users but in 99 it was almost like at the cusp of it I was speaking yesterday um, to, to a guy who's a, a, a venture capitalist and who um, he's in his late fifties, and he's lived through the internet boom. Yeah. Um, and and it's not just him; it's a lot of people who say this that this is the first major revolutionary change um, to the world as we know it since the internet. Yeah. And I don't disagree. I mean, I've always believed it, but it's nice to hear this come from someone who actually lived through that change and is now seeing this as the first major change since. And the, yeah. it's also, it also comes at a very interesting time where there are a lot of other technologies, potentially compatible technologies being coupled together at the same time. So the advent of AI um, together with cryptocurrencies and the way those two can function uh, together in the future is both fascinating and frightening at the same time. Yeah, for me it's yeah. more frightening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So one of the things that we have to... Sorry, you want to say something? No, no, no. Go ahead, go ahead. One of the things that you always need to mention, I'm, a, I'm an optimist. I have to be an optimist when it comes to cryptocurrencies because it's it's what I work in. And psychiatry. And psychiatry. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, and I always like to see the utopian future of it, and I like to think about and talk about the utopian ideal that is behind the crypto revolution. But behind that utopian ideal, there is there is a very strong dystopian shadow, mm. which is very hard to ignore. Um, like, what would be the worst case scenario? Um, I don't know about a worst case scenario, but there, there, there are plenty of potential pitfalls and problems. So problems that have been raised, which I don't have immediate answers for, are things like governments worry about taxation, for example. Mm. You know, how are we going to tax this? 
if everyone starts getting paid in Bitcoin, for example, how are we going to be able to monitor it and, re and, and see where the money is going? How do we measure the flow of money well enough to be able to tax it? And from a, from a socialist standpoint, from a humanitarian standpoint, taxes to some extent are essential to mm. ensure the well-being of, of the people and the common folk. Distribution of wealth. Distribution of wealth. Yeah. And this, and a true free market economy, which is sort of the epitome of the capitalist paradigm, um, kind of goes against the socialist paradigm, which unfortunately is something I also believe in. So there is this, this loggerheads there. I don't have an answer to it. I'll yeah, say this right yeah. now, I don't. Um, I don't think that is a, enough of a reason yet for us to not move forward and look into this more because the problem with all future te technologies is that we often judge it based on present paradigms, right? Yeah. We judge the, you know, from the time of Galileo onwards, we've judged any future idea based on our current view of the world when we really need to judge it based on what we think a future view of the world will look like. But I would have thought it would be counterintuitive because the big problem with tax is where there's a lot of money that's flowing that they don't have visibility on. And from what I understand about blockchain, where you can literally see every transaction, wouldn't that help with taxation? You can see every transaction, but you can't necessarily see who that transaction is. Oh, oh. so that's the thing about, so what I've heard is Bitcoin is fully anonymous. And I've also yeah. said, no, it's not anonymous. Blah, so wait, can you just shed some light? So it's, it? you can see that the transactions going through according to the wallet address, but you can't trace that necessarily to a human person mm. and that's bitcoin but there are various other cryptocurrencies which have increasing levels of uh, anonymity built into them increasing levels of mm. anonymity. so there's things like verge or monero or zcash all of whom have uh can be even more and more and more uh anonymous and where it's almost impossible to track even with let's say even with with bitcoin you can in a way track back through different wallet addresses and where that came from and if you can if one wallet address is registered to a particular exchange and you can you can uh, establish some sort of a shadow of a track yeah um whereas with some of the others which depend on the anonymity the whole purpose is anonymity um it's almost impossible to so that means now in the mad rush of cryptocurrencies i mean i'm hearing new cryptocurrencies every day and they yeah. all sound more like superheroes than currencies yeah the names are a bit odd man so is everyone's just trying to differentiate they're all entirely different each crypt each cryptocurrency has its own uh own particular value but they also have the same existing. same elements of like mining and yes like, like yes. They, they are they are each that. each are slightly different um each are different each of them is based on a slightly different underlying technology okay but uh and, and these are subtle variations they're probably too technical for this point um but the general principle is the same so a do decentralized you, do you economy. almost see a risk in because this stuff i mean even like i would consider myself relatively well read and i had no idea about bitcoin before this yeah. but do you almost see like there's a danger of kind of like an in information elitism where yeah people so, <laughs> who know about bitcoin can fuck over people who don't uh not just not just fuck over people who don't but um the the knowledge gap will lead to the future economic gap mm. yeah so people, early investors, early movers, early movers in the game. So people who got into Bitcoin when it was a hundred dollars a coin and bought up large amounts then uh, will become, or potentially will become the multi multi millionaires of the future. Yeah. And not necessarily um, the people who people who are wealthy now who hasn't haven't necessarily gotten onto this just because they haven't known. Yeah. Because there's a knowledge gap, um, will fall behind. 
And some people will get you know, be up in arms about that's unfair. That's not fair. This is my hard-earned money. Well, it wasn't necessarily your hard-earned money yeah. if it came generationally. Anyway, that's a, those are separate arguments. But yeah. that there is that that argument to be made that there is the knowledge gap which leads to um, an economic gap. And, and I mean, it, even aside from knowledge gap, there's the okay. Like right now, I think one big thing is there's a global movement to get internet to everyone, right? Yeah. But and but money technically, you can still argue reaches can reach everyone because it's like a physical thing. But aside from knowledge gap, where you assume two people who have access to the same resources, one knows about Bitcoin, one doesn't know. What about the whole group of people who don't even have access to even buy a Bitcoin? Yeah, are getting we'll, further left behind. Okay. Uh, I will flip that one for you, okay. And I'll say that one of the re- the re- one of the regions where I really see cryptocurrencies having great value is in the developing world. Uh, oh, yeah, actually that makes sense because politically yeah. those I mean not to say all developing countries, a lot of countries have. Yeah, you don't want to rely on the bank or the no, government yeah, no, for, yeah. for value, right? If you're in Venezuela, yeah. if you're in Zimbabwe, yeah. why do you want to? Why do you want to? Why do? You, why would you take payment in your own currency? That is true. But the other the other main argument is. So consider um, farmer Mbuktu in Tanzania mm-hmm. who has his um, maize crops and he, there's no way he can get a credit line to be able to sell to the high fructose corn syrup manufacturers in Detroit. Mm-hmm. No way. There's no way he's going to be able to get that access. He can't get a credit line. He can't get access. No bank's going to give him a loan. Um, how the heck is he ever going to transact this? Never happened. If he's got a mobile phone, He's got a smart smartphone. Instantly, he has direct access to a manufacturer in Detroit. He doesn't need a bank. He doesn't need a credit line. That is true. And automatically, that barrier is just reduced dramatically. I see the developing world as, have, as being one of the big future markets, and they haven't even caught on. So they haven't? No. That's... If you consider how many people there are in the developing world yeah. versus the developed world, we're talking about one to six discrepancy. And once the developing world really starts to catch on to the cryptocurrency wave, the potential value increase is enormous. Mm. Is there any information on what people are actually using Bitcoin to buy right now? Like most people or most of the transactions? Uh, cocaine. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is again one of the arguments against Bitcoin and stuff, but no one's using it. But yeah. no one's using it. If we keep saying, uh, well, it's got no purpose because no one's using it, then that argument sort of falls over because no one is using it yet. Yeah. But there will be a point that will come where there's a critical mass that is reached of people who are starting to uh, invest in it and who own it. And then the proprietors will start to have, will want to cash in, cash in on this. That's already starting to happen. In Australia, yeah. there are Bitcoin ATMs. There are news agents that are starting to accept Bitcoin and sell Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a wave that is slowly gathering momentum and it will increase Japan. Yeah. For example, it's one of the market leaders in this and where you can transact with cryptocurrencies all over the place. Um, but the rest of the world hasn't really caught on. Once that critical mass is reached, then it's one of those rolling stone... I mean, but were you, jo- sorry, were you joking that, that it's mostly used to buy drugs right now? Or is that no, like- I think that's, that time has passed. That oh, was, passed. That okay, was okay. the case okay. yeah. for a very long time. Okay. Um, that has definitely passed. But again, Bitcoin, okay, we shouldn't just use the word Bitcoin. So I don't see Bitcoin as being yeah. the major transaction tool. There will be others. So I guess, I mean, there's like every new new technology, right? Like even Snapchat, it took sexting in high schools yep. for it to, mm. yep. to push it to mainstream. Yep. 
I still don't see what it's used for. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> we have tried. We, there was the first Hey, time. come back. Come back. What, what the fuck? <laughs> like, even the interface, I fucking don't understand it. There was our... You're our using your present paradigms to judge something <laughs> from the future. Hey, fuck you. When we had our first intern, right? Yeah. She sat down and tried to teach both of us how to use Snapchat. <laughs> and I tried it. I have, Then I was like, fucking... At least Insta stories, right? You just press a button. Yeah, And it's so either. much easier. Yeah, I mean, with your social media ah, no. yes, we you have are. to use it. Yes, you are. Yeah, we have to use you're it. You're showing your age, man. You're showing your age. Yeah. You <laughs> don't understand the shit. Yeah, yeah you're just basing your, your <laughs> shit on, on previous paradigms of photos and all this shit. No, speaking of which, okay, I need to digress a bit because yeah. this app has blown my mind. Have you heard of Godek? No. Oh, we talked about this in the previous podcast as well. It just blows my oh. mind because it's this app where uh, the interface right, of taking a photo is like the back of a Kodak camera and you look through a viewfinder you only, you only can take 36 photos and you have to wait three days for the photo. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, and they sell it for like a buck and it's num- number one in, I don't know Korea, how many countries. Korea. Korea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big in Korea. No, you get it, you get it on your, you deliver to your you phone. Deliver to your phone. But it yeah, looks yeah. like a magical photo with the little yellow Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it's almost like blockchain is pushing us forward, but there's this whole demand for things that are taking us back, which is, which is a, I guess it's a, it's a romantic thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's kind of cool. Okay, so going back to Bitcoin. So, um, I, 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 okay, sometimes I hear, so f- full disclosure, I have, uh, I have bought a bit of Bitcoin in Coinbase um, and even using the interface. Okay, first of all, I know you can't buy a lot at one time because I'm guessing it's a whole part of the whole mining process. But the storage of Bitcoin, right? What I understand is you have Coinbase or whatever online wallet, is that what it's called? You buy the Bitcoin there. But then I hear people storing Bitcoin in their hard drives and all that. Yeah. What, what, what? Okay. Uh, firstly, let's yeah. start with the, the purchasing. Yeah. Yes. The barrier to entry is so high because most people who've heard of it, okay, you take the whole population and let's say, well, let's throw a figure out. How many people do you, th- what percentage do you think have heard of Bitcoin? Heard of it as in yeah. just... So, so we even say 20%? Yeah, heard of. Yeah, I don't say maybe 20%. 20% yeah. Yeah. Of those 20%, uh, how many percent know, how many percent of people who've heard of Bitcoin know how to purchase a Bitcoin? one percent of that yeah, yeah. yeah how do you how do you even start can i go yeah. to a bank and yeah. do it can yeah. i go to no one knows and the barrier to entry is really really high this is the big knowledge gap yeah even people who've heard about it don't know how to go and buy it yeah. so yes you can you can buy it in an exchange uh it's a complicated process so coinbase is an exchange it's an exchange okay and you can buy it in an exchange but you need to get registered with an exchange yeah mm. then you need to get id verified with the yeah. exchange then you need to get your money onto an exchange then if you want to buy a larger, slightly larger volume, you need to get that level of uh, verification increased so you can buy slightly larger volumes. It can take it can take a week. It can take longer than a week. Yeah. And a week in cryptocurrency terms is a lifetime because yeah. how quickly the price goes up. As of yesterday, four of the major exchanges in the world are no longer accepting new registrations because they just can't oh, really? keep cope with the demand. Really? Wow. Yeah. Which is where, and this is a shameless plug. Caleb and Brown. <laughs> Caleb and Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Can I pull out a card? <laughs> show you the camera. Wait, so you need uh, what? You need, I mean, do you need fifteen thousand dollars US dollars? Nah, to you can buy it any any volume. Oh, any volume. Yes. And, and you get a fraction. Here. You get a fraction of a Bitcoin. This post podcast is sponsored by, by Caleb no, Caleb and Brown. Actually, you know, yeah. they're sponsored. Not yeah. yet. Soon to be sponsored. Soon to be sponsored. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only reason we got you on, dude. <laughs> I swear, like, what's that called? Indian poker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, that's right. yeah. Can you see no, it? So, it's not a good look, is it? Now stop. Uh, <laughs> that's why. So what we run is a brokerage, 
and think of it as like an old school brokerage model where every one of our clients gets a personalized broker yeah where you can call anytime and we literally pick up the phone and say i want fifty thousand dollars worth of eos i want eighty thousand dollars worth of iOS. but you need to be transacting on those amounts like if so, I want like $20 of Bitcoin. So what we exist is to cover, so it's to, to cure two of the problems that you talked about. So the first was the access issues. Yeah. How do I get on? And the second thing is buying volumes, large volumes. Yeah. Buying small volumes in exchange is fine. But the moment you want to start to buy large volumes. What's large becomes, volume? So, well, we work from 10,000 upwards. Okay. Um, our average buy is about $50,000 and we do individual transactions up to about $2 million. Okay. Um, and... When you're starting to buy large volumes, it's impossible to buy it on an exchange. Because if you want to go out onto an exchange and you start flooding it with money, you're going to pump the price up of your own purchase by so much. If you want to buy $200,000 worth, by the time you've bought the $200,000 worth, you've already artificially pumped the price up so well, much. Because you can only buy in small blocks and every block... It depends on who's, who's selling it, what price. Whoa. So it's an exchange, it's a marketplace, right? Yeah. So people are trying to sell and they're pegged at different values. And if someone comes in and tries to automatically buy up a whole bunch, you're going to go so far down the order book that by the time you got to your last buy, it's so much higher than the price that your first buy, mm-hmm. your first dollar bought with. Yeah. Um, whereas we allow people to buy large volumes at a single spot price. Yeah. So it's just a single spot. The last, what the current market rate is, the average of the, the various um, exchanges yeah. uh, instantly. Okay. Wait, so, so a question. So when you bought your Bitcoin, right? Yeah. Do you count how much you have in terms of number of amount of Bitcoin or just I have like $500 or $1,000 value? No, so what happens value. is I have to transfer money from my PayPal to that uh, platform and then yeah. I converted X amount of USD into Bitcoin. So I do yeah. have... So you do have a number of how much Bitcoin you, you have. Yeah. 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 Even a fraction of a Bitcoin. Yeah. And you can buy an oh, any yeah. fraction of... Yeah. Um, to buy yeah. one Bitcoin now is $3,000. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Like, yeah. wow. And then you get to the point of, so that's, that's, so that's, that's brokerage. That's why, okay. Okay. that's why we exist. Yeah. As far as we know, we're the only ones in Australia. Damn. Ones. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, See that, fucking set out. Other countries don't want to start in Singapore. <laughs> Brain drain only. <laughs> I had, had four, four requests for a bank account so far turned down in Singapore. Are you serious? Yep. Wow. Why? That is completely typical. We be, but your <laughs> your citizenship is Singap- it's yeah Singaporean. Singaporean. He did yeah. NS. Yeah. Yeah. Some more, okay. Fun fact. This is because I know you that long. He is Singapore's second test tube baby. <laughs> A test tube baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Singapore's really second yeah, test tube yeah, yeah, baby. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Arash. This is really relevant to the current <laughs> yeah. club. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that just made Caleb and Brown even even cooler, man. True. Yeah. Second test. Oh, you're like you're like a baby from the future working on a future technology. Boom! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, <laughs> that's got to be in your profile. Management that should profile. be the same. Yeah. Yeah. Birth, he was changing yeah, paradigms. Yeah, he was changing paradigms. <laughs> Fuck you your present paradigms. Mom, mom, uterus. Fuck. Fuck your present paradigms, man. He was not born in a test tube parish. I didn't break out of a test tube. Like glass shattering. <laughs> no, see the no, scar? No. You see the scar? <laughs> you were conceived in a test tube and then put into your mom's uterus. Yes. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. okay, you were... Other people, I was conceived in my mom's uterus you were conceived outside your mind. Oh, really, do you really want to talk about your conception <laughs> no but almost it's, it's quite it's, it's, so, poetic. it's so poetic, it's poetic. because you saw the outside world first yeah. granted you, you were just two cells at that point in time yeah. uh, and then you went back in yeah. and like I'm and then I've come back up. out <laughs> yeah exactly he's, he's bringing his vision of the future yeah. to the rest of us <laughs> can I get a cake mortals? now <laughs> dude you're like the, please get a cake it's like Scientology, like, yes. like the, the, you know the that. C and B on my cake. I love this. Exactly. <laughs> Sounds good. It's a good idea. Oh, yeah. Oh. Like, do you have test tube baby friends? 
No. There's no Facebook, 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 WhatsApp group or something. <laughs> Test tube baby is anonymous. Yeah. Test tube wow. babies. Damn. Man. To, okay. to all my uh, comrades out there. Don't you, you don't have a symbol or something? <laughs> like, Okay, yeah. So going back, okay, you answered the question about the brokerage versus yeah. the exchange. Then the hard disk thing? Yes, the hard disk thing. So yeah. storage is the other big issue. So there are multiple ways in which you can store your cryptocurrency because it's all digital, isn't it? Yeah. So the, and there's a spectrum of um, ease of access- accessibility versus security. And the two are um, on opposing ends of the spectrum. It's like naked pictures. Correct. Am I right to say, if you put your naked pictures in the cloud, correct, it's easier. It can be. It's easier to access, hack, but, but it pictures. can be hacked. Yeah. Whereas mm. if you print them out and then you put them in a safe and you bury it under the ground, then it's really hard to get at. Every time you want to look at it, you got to go on yeah, dig, no whatever. And then by which it. time you can't be fucking bothered anymore, but you can't get to it. And so similarly, on the same spectrum, you have online uh, online wallets. So where you're on an exchange. Actually, there's a difference. There's online wallets, and then you can actually store it on the exchange itself. Okay. If you're storing it on the exchange itself, the risk of getting hacked is huge. Yeah. Because for a hacker to want to hack your individual wallet that contains 0.00024 of a Bitcoin, it's not really worth the effort. But for him to, if he's going to hack an exchange which has millions and millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin, um, and if you can hack in and get access to it, that makes a lot of sense. And that has happened. That has happened. Big GDAX uh, um, yeah. hack. Sorry, the GDAX hack. Sorry, GDAX. Sorry, the Mount Gox hack, which is uh-huh. pretty big. So, uh, online exchange, easy to access, easy to trade, but security is an issue. Then you have mobile wallets. So, you can have a wallet on your phone. Um, I've got one on my phone. It's charging out there. Um, so, it's a mobile wallet. Again, access, quite easy. But if you lose your phone, then potentially it's all lost. There are security passcodes and whatever yeah. that enable you to recover it, but it's still it can be you can you can the coins can be lost quite easily. You can have desktop wallets, so it's stored on your desktop hard drive. But then you run the risk of what if your computer gets your hard drive gets gets destroyed. Yeah. Or I'm sure you've heard the story recently of the guy who was mining Bitcoin back 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 in the day. And then decided it wasn't really worth very much. Mm-hmm. And then his hard drive got chucked out. And then, yeah. And he is now, the last thing he's done is gotten permits to hire trawlers and dig up an entire <laughs> landfill. Because wow. the amount of Bitcoin is like 100 and 140 million or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'll do it. Oh, yeah, I'll wow. be on my hands and knees oh, trawling okay, through that yeah. myself. Yeah. So, so does it mean there are a lot of new millionaires that have come out in the last Most definitely, two yeah. or three years? Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? But uh, I mean... The, the things you I, I actually haven't heard that many stories of like in, even in Singapore or, or anywhere I saw one day 19 year old guy I'll, in New York because that was a vice kind of a short clip but yeah Singapore I haven't heard yeah I'll, I'll, I'll get to, let me just finish this last bit about it and I'll oh, tell sure, you why sure. you don't see that okay yeah so then the, the most secure form of storage is yeah. what you were talking about is called cold storage okay so a cold storage device called cold storage because it has never been online so the device is called a tracer or a ledger they have never ever been online. Okay. They're completely offline, so there's no way for them to be hacked. And the only time mm. they go online is very briefly when they get plugged in, when you transfer something across, and then they plug that. And even that is done through a, such a complicated series of encrypted encryption. That is a barrier because most people find that quite hard to manipulate. It's actually not that difficult if you follow the instructions step by step. Yeah. But it's still hard to access. And 
uh, you know, for example, my trader is not we've got to travel with my trader that's stuck back there. If I want to access my coins now, that is a problem. Um, an additional level of security to this is that if my trader gets stolen, I can still recover it using what they call a security phrase. So it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a phrase of randomly generated words um, which are assigned to you when you when when you register when you register your trader, um, and that is something you keep very securely because you can recover it just using that, even if you don't actually have the device with you. Okay. Now, that phrase is something you keep very separate from the tracer itself, because you don't want anyone to have access to both of the two at the same time, yeah. because they can get into your tracer. Uh, now, the various devices that have been created to maintain the security of that passphrase, um, I'm not gonna tell you where my, my passphrase is, but there's devices like called, there's one called a crypto steel, which is think of like military specification steel, on which mm. you can imprint your passcode and then actually bury it under the ground in a backyard somewhere. So it's literally burying your gold. Wow. Shit. And wait, so that is the passphrase that could help you retrieve your tracer. And how, how do you spell that tracer thing? T-R-E-Z-O-R. T-R-E-Z-O-R. Tracer. Tracer or ledger. So okay, like let's say using the analogy of a picture again, a picture when you print out, you have that image there. It can be, it's, there's something, a physical form. Bitcoin, what is it that you're putting into your hard drive? Uh, it's the series of numbers. Mm. And that is the code for the, all the, the previous transactions? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so that means, like what you said, when you want to transact, you need to be connected online because it needs to add the next block to the chain. Correct. Oh. Exactly. Okay. So, and there's there's something in that series of numbers that is can, that's matched to your wallet account yeah so this becomes again complicated there's there's something called a private key so your wallet has a private key yeah and a public key okay and it's got to be a the, the 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 transaction needs to be signed by a combination of the two for it to be authenticated it's like nuclear you got two keys yeah mm -hmm. sort of okay. but then you mm -hmm. keep your private key and you only send off your public key and then on the other side that's verified by that by the other that that other person or whoever's verifying the transaction identifying your public key as going to that public key and that is matched with the other person's private key oh shit okay too much yeah yeah Wait, so, just uh something you were talking about the physical presence of bitcoin yeah. right and going back to that the example of the kodak kodak thing yeah yeah what if someone one day says oh let's make it simpler for everyone let's actually actual print like paper money that is worth like you know yeah. of a Bitcoin or something like that. Is that, that this, is a, this is an interesting point because yeah. on one hand, you could say, well, that goes against the entire purpose yeah. of having a digital currency, but actually no. The, the, the other sort of aligned argument is like, well, what if you all just got rid of money, of, of paper money, yeah. and went completely you know, contact and digital? Like we only use credit cards. Isn't that the same thing? Whereas really the, under, the underlying philosophy is about the decentralization mm. and not about the digitalization as much. So while going with our current banking model to a completely digital platform has got nothing to do with the cryptocurrency revolution, mm. whereas what you're suggesting, which is going towards a decentralized economy and all of these things, but actually printing out the Bitcoin is clunky, but actually, actually is in line with the underlying uh, message but that kind of fucks up the blockchain, right? Because now you could be going to lunch and be like, hey, Terrence, give me one... Well, uh, something by clunky, because then yeah. you'll have to give that to you and then you'll have to go and register that on oh, it. Yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah, yeah. the underlying philosophy is this would be the same. 
Because like like what we were talking about just now, where Bitcoin, if you see it as a stock value, it's almost replacing gold. Right? It it is entirely yeah. by replacing gold. Yeah. It is going to be the new gold. It's not going to be a new currency. It's going to it is to be a new gold. Oh. As a value store. I see. Interesting. While we and that sort of leads slightly. So why do we not see that many yeah. Bitcoin millionaires? Yeah. Um, two reasons. Hold on. Can I take my clothes off? Oh yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. Just see your jacket, dude. <laughs> Who the fuck asked that question? And you want some water? Well, okay. So we'll get back to Terence's earlier question, which I said I'd come back to, which is what was it exactly? Why we don't see? Yeah, in public we don't. Why hear you don't that. hear about? You hear heard about a lot of the dot com millionaires. Why yeah. have you not heard of any Bitcoin millionaires? Really, in that way. Yeah. yeah. Mainly because. For one, there is a certain respect for, for the anonymity um, that is associated with cryptocurrency money mm-hmm. to an extent. But the main reason is that most of the Bitcoin millionaires are Bitcoin or cryptocurrency millionaires are cryptocurrency virtual millionaires mm. in that no one's cashing out. Oh, I see. I haven't sold a thing in the entire time that I've owed. I've, since I've been investing, mm-hmm. I haven't sold anything. And some would say that's Perhaps not wise because I could have cashed out a little bit at its peak and then waited for the drop and then you know you could go back and forth a little bit. But um, I haven't sold anything because I see that eventually the value is going to be so much higher. Really? Yeah. We are nowhere even close to tickling the tip of the iceberg attached to the glacier. Really? Nowhere close. And that's why all these guys who the the whales as we call them, who have got enormous amounts, enormous reserve, it's all virtual mm-hmm. millionaires because they're all holding on to it. Why would you sell? Huh. That's interesting. It is interesting. Is that? In a way, which should restore the faith. You know, as much as you want to say, it's a bubble, it's a bubble, it's a bubble. What about all the big guys? The guys, if all the guys who own a lot of the Bitcoin and a lot of the cryptocurrencies and who are heavily invested in this, if they're not cashing out, why are they not cashing out? Get yeah. worried, but they're cashing out. But at the same time, at the internet boom, during the internet boom, I'm, sh- I'm sure there were a lot of big big VCs and all investing in a bunch of things and they got fucked over, right? That is true. Right. So yeah. so I think, I mean, I have heard, is there a term for people who are holding on to their Bitcoin? What's, what's it called? The whales or this term, hodl. L- L- uh, what's that? What, what's that? Hodl. Hodl. It basically means you're, you're it stands. Holding. It stands for something, right? Yeah. What does it stand for? Can you pause this for a second? No, we can look it up. Like oh, yeah. the projector. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hodl. Yeah. H-O-D-L. H-O-D-L. Hodl meaning. What is hodl? This is good. I haven't had Toblerone around in ages. Um, hold on for dear life, I think. <laughs> hold on for dear life. Yeah, hold oh, that's on cute. <laughs> so you're a hodler. Which, which is a pun on the fact that you're holding. Yeah. yeah. So you, you're a hodler? Because most of us are. Damn. It's all virtual money. Virtual money. Or virtual value that I hold on to. Okay. So so you, you mentioned way back at the start this term ICO, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is ICO? Okay. So the problem with Toblerone should get stuck in your teeth. Oh, you should try Dave. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, that's bad. Dave gives another question. Why, why are duty-free shops always chock-a-block full of Toblerone. I don't know. What the hell is with Toblerone and duty-free shops? Why do you need... Why are there so much taxes on Toblerone? Every time I go to an airport, I'm like, what's with all the Toblerone? Like, massive bars. Maybe there is a lot of tax huge, on it. Huge, yeah, huge triangles yeah. that big. Fucking Giza are sitting in the duty-free shops. Why is there so much Toblerone? Which one did you get? The, the milk, dark or white? Uh, milk. Milk, okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, where were we? ICOs. Yeah. Yes. ICOs stand for initial coin offering. 
it is the cryptocurrency version of IPOs. Okay. Initial public offerings. So when a, when a company is going public, they have an IPO, they sell shares, um, and they take money in and they give shares out to the investors. ICOs are similar, um, except they take in cryptocurrency in the form of, uh, well, the various ones that are used, but the most commonly used cryptocurrency is Ethereum, the most commonly mm -hmm. used one for ICO funding. And in return, their investors get tokens. That means... They're called, like, they're called tokens. Like units of that currency. Uh, no, not, not units of the initial currency that came in. Units or of the new tokens of the new, of the new ICO or uh, what the new coin. So initial coin offering, right? So I'm yeah. offering you back this coin. Um, and that is a means of tokenization. So tokenization is a term in itself, which is the splitting up of a single entity into multiple little digital tokens. And a digital token of that new currency is like a unit of that. It's, an, it's a unit of that company mm. yeah. and a unit of the total value that is in that company. That company or that new currency? Or are they the same thing? The same thing. Okay, all right. Yeah. Mm. And which is then can now then be transacted. So okay. other people can then buy in. So let's say um, you, there's a new company that's releasing an X token. It's a token that's the tokenization of their company and you want to buy into it, you put in some value, you get a certain amount of these X tokens, you can then sell that X token onto someone else as that company's value increases, or as people's perception of the value of the company increases, that X token becomes more worth more and more and more. So it's almost like getting a critical mass to start with. Is, is yeah. like a, am I right to say it's like the cryptocurrency version of Kickstarter kind of thing? Yeah, that's one way of looking at it, yeah. Right, where you have uh, X amount of value and mm -hmm. you need to get people to contribute Initially, that amount of Initial, yep. it could, it's, it's through, you said it's through Ethereum. Well, Ethereum is one of the, uh, is, the, is the cryptocurrency that is most used to fund this. To fund it. But why not just fiat currency straight up? Uh, because the whole point is to work in a cryptocurrency paradigm. Mm -hmm. oh. So it's a, it's a conversion, not converting, converting fiat to this, you're converting, you're within the crypto. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. So you go from fiat to Ethereum, Ether, Ether, how do you pronounce it? Ethereum. Ethereum to put you into that paradigm and then yeah. within that paradigm you you're transacting within transacting. yeah oh i see okay so that's what icos are and uh they're very exciting because they automatically uh, make give they give direct access from people with an idea yeah and they give them access to funds so you're right in a way it is like a kickstarter yeah um, gives them direct access to people who want to give them money for for, for this the problem with it is that there are a lot of scam ICOs around. Yeah, sounds like. And a lot of ICOs have nothing more, they don't even have a working model, they're nothing more than a white paper. Mm. And that's tricky when you have, I mean, the, the ICOs released recently, $30 million in 30 minutes. That's how much they've raised. What? Like 30 minutes of release. What? $30 million in 30 minutes based on a white paper. So they wow. got $30 million worth of Ethereum coming to them from just people who want to jump on a bandwagon. Oh, there's this, there's this coin called Dodge, Dodge coin, right? Based on the dog. Dodge coin. Well, what, what the, f so yeah. they, that also would have gone through. So from, from what I understand, Dodge coin is something that was created as a joke. Uh, yeah. It's like an alternative cryptocurrency, but then now it's valued, I don't know how many fucking million dollars. Wait, so, so, so that, that was under an ICO or something. Yeah. Would that have gone through an ICO? Mm. Is the nougat? Is the nougat? But actually, uh, so so I mean, uh, I'm I'm a step behind you in understanding it. So if I have a let's say I'm trying to create a, a lamp or something like that that I think is going to revolutionize 
the you know, lamp industry. Yeah. And I, I obviously I can't go for an IPO, right? Because you're starting a new company. Or oh, I find it f- hard to find funds from traditional investors. Yeah. So you're saying that I could go and have an ICO. You could, but then the question will be asked, what advantage is there? Yeah. Is it an ICO for the sake of an ICO? Or is there a particular advantage for this being uh, tokenized? Okay. So you first need to understand the idea of tokenization. Tokenization I find fascinating and uh, a great way of moving into the future. You can tokenize anything. You can tokenize uh, property, for example. So instead of uh, one person buying a house, Mm. you almost form a cooperative and mm. so you have one house which you split up into multiple tokens and those tokens are sold off to whoever wants to purchase these tokens and each it means they, they, they own a, a share of the house that's kind of like a REIT land, right? it is but it becomes so much more transactable uh-huh. and because mm-hmm. it's so much more it's so much easier to exchange because you can just exchange this as you would you can exchange it from one cryptocurrency to buy into to purchase this and then that token then can be passed around and the contracts become so much easier. You don't have to have these complex contracts of where this is passed, who owns this part of this house, yeah. lawyers' fees, all mm, of that's yeah. taken out of the equation because all you have is these, effectively, this is the term smart contracts um, because the contracts have already been written in to the token mm, and yeah. then wherever that token goes, because it can be tracked infinitely along the blockchain, wherever that token goes, the value will follow. I see. Um, so that's tokenization. Mm, and mm. so if there is a, some benefit from tokenization then the ICO makes sense your LAMP ICO makes no sense from a tokenization point of view because it doesn't add anything at all Um, I'll give you an example of an ICO so one of the reasons I'm here in Singapore is working with an ICO that's being that's that's really hitting the market right about now they're called Electrify I don't know if you've heard about them there was an article Mm. about them two days ago uh, very exciting. Like I've shied away from ICOs for a very long time, mainly because there's so many of these scam ICOs yeah. and they scare the crap out of me. And I don't want to stake my professional reputation on something that is going to be pretty dodge. Um, but this one's actually really interesting. So the model is that there's a Singapore's mo- energy market, and I hope I'm not explaining this in a poor manner. Singapore's energy market at the moment is very much a monopoly yeah. by Singapore Power. You buy your, mo- your power from Singapore Power. Yeah. That's it. They, there, there are other energy retailers out there, wholesalers. Singapore Power buys from them and then sells to... Um, they commodify it. Yeah, they sell to yeah. at retail rates. They buy wholesale, they sell at retail. Yeah. Now, Singapore is moving towards a liberalized energy market as uh, a lot of the rest of the world is where it isn't a monopoly and individual retailers can now sell to individual consumers. Mm. What Electrify is seeking to do is essentially create an online marketplace where they're able to match up all these individual retailers with all these individual consumers. So you don't no longer need to buy from Singapore Power. <coughs> from Singapore Power, you, you can get onto the Electrify marketplace and you can buy your current, your, current, your energy um, directly from wholesalers at wholesale prices without having to go through, um, without having to look at like individual um, contracts you don't have to approach multiple different individual retailers and go how much does you cost how much do you cost how much do you cost um, it's an online marketplace that just matches up retailers and consumers well why does that require a cryptocurrency it sounds so, like it could be done right now with just a website not necessarily because uh, the the total amount of energy that is being produced by the wholesalers that all gets get, gets fed into this marketplace split up into tokens and that gets easily then sent out to people who are buying it from the other end Oh, so so you're tokenizing 
electricity. You're tokenizing electricity. Okay. And by bringing in this idea of smart contracts, it streamlines the entire process. But tokenizing, let's say if you break it down, like let's say they break it down into did something just stop? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's kind of. Yeah, I'll hold my question. So the other two are still running. Okay. Um, the let's say. You're saying, okay, so I'm still a little lost on the tokenization thing. So if you're saying tokenization is just breaking it down into these little bits of like little quantums that are transactable, yep. isn't it like a kilowatt hour? Like you break down, you, you want to buy five kilowatt hours. How is a token? Different? No, no, it's not just breaking down the, the, the energy into smaller amounts, but also, also breaking down the value, also breaking down the amount that you're willing to pay into small little amounts. Okay. And it's building in these smart contracts where these things essentially will pay themselves. So the retailers get automatically paid yeah. based on the amount of tokens that are bought. And it doesn't have to be individual particular contracts with like, I will contract to pay to buy this amount of electricity per month. It doesn't have to be. It all gets fed in, streamlined, and then fed out again. Okay. Yeah. So that means, let's say, okay, let's say a telco where you can buy additional GB of data. Yeah. Right. Is that in some way tokenization of data? Uh, that's only a single. No, I wouldn't say that's that's individual tokenization. But I guess you could move towards an idea where you have M1, Singtel, Starhub, and Circles Life. And what? Circles Life. And what? Circles dot life. Cool. It's it's a new telco in Singapore. Yeah. Cool story. See, like you go Australia, forget Singapore. <laughs> um, you could potentially <laughs> feed them all into. A single marketplace yeah. where all of their uh, power. What do you call? What do you call their their telconess? The, their telconess. Bandwidth, All gets fed into and tokenized and split up. Yeah. And then gets redistributed and sold out and split up into tokens. And just depending on how much that they put in, they then get a percentage of what these these the, the retailers of uh, sorry the consumers are buying on the other end. Oh, so that means it's almost okay. If I understand right now, the services we get from any particular service provider is dependent on us, you know, like establishing a line of us moving money yes, to them. Right? Exactly. Um, yeah. Because mm-hmm. even if, even though Circles Life, you can buy data per GB, you still need to sign up with them, right? Whereas these tokens, it's almost like you can just plot, 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 and that whole the whole process of getting money across it's embedded in the it's embedded itself. that's that's the idea mm-hmm. of this thing called smart contracts oh. just kind of like like talk time over on your phone and, and you all just that. hand it over hand it on hand it on hand oh it on, so you can pass it, it to someone because yeah. oh. that token has the inherent value and that yeah. can be passed on and on and on so that is considered cryptocurrency because it holds a set amount of value in it which might not be just well might not just be financial like the electrified thing there's mm-hmm. that electricity component attached to it. Yeah. There's a certain value attached to it, yeah. Wow. Which is still uh, uh, attached to a monetary value because like, you're yeah. buying it. Yeah. Wow. wow. It gets pretty complex. And I yeah. probably haven't explained it well enough. I get the Electrify guys. So they're doing it specific to Singapore? So they're starting in Singapore, but they're expanding yeah. very rapidly all through Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got more expansive plans that I'm not at liberty to talk about. But, wow. So yeah. technically, if you wanted a token... To- to tokenize our YouTube videos. Yeah. Like, you just want that joke. No, but people don't pay for it. That's a stupid analogy. No, but the hell's not paying for the joke, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
No, I think uh, yeah, I guess it's stuff that that traditionally you never thought of as being able to pass Split. into. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so like you got Netflix, Amazon, <coughs> and all. Now you need to sign up before you get access to your whole. You sign up to one particular right. thing, and yeah. Whereas if you can tokenize the, I guess that works on like once you sign up, you've got it all. But if imagine if it was according to like number of hours you watched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or what example, movies you want. What movies yeah. you watch? You could just sign up for the token. Yeah. You could, you've tokenized it, and you just bought a certain number of tokens. And it was universal across all the different streams. Yeah, wow. but that's almost like let's say is uh, Expedia, an analogy that way is an aggregator of everything. Yeah, where you can go. I mean, this buy. is only one sort of ICO. This is yeah. an online marketplace ICO. Not all ICOs are. Also, there are uh, many types of ICOs. There are many types of ICOs. Now, now, now like Damn. now, it gets, way too, <laughs> it gets way too technical Fuck at this point. Yeah, but the idea is that this concept exists. Yeah. Where even companies, the moving of companies from being from the traditional share model, so fiat currency to shares, and we're moving towards the same set of value being divided up via cryptocurrency in tokens out. Holy mm. shit! Transition into a completely crypto model. So that's where that's where you're saying that the whole and at a very core, it's still blockchain. It is still based on the blockchain. Yeah. yeah. So blockchain is gonna open up doors for. Fuck a lot of things. Whole lot of things. Whole lot of things. One of the big, one of the most exciting things for me, which isn't actually that exciting, is history. Hmm. Yeah. What is the problem with history? History is just a version of events that has been deg- agreed upon by, by the, the right people thing. who are in power at yeah. that point. Yeah. Right. Most people don't know what what history, what actually happened in history, because yeah. we only know what we've been fed now. If history was written in the blockchain, it can never be rewritten. But at the same time, if so, so what? What about blockchain protects it from just being one person who writes it? It has to be verified by the various nodes. It has to be verified by various nodes. And again, you can have various various versions of history that are that are written at the same time. Like there can be various different blockchains. But at least you're getting diff- that's different perspectives. Yeah. That's different mm-hmm. from rewriting history. Happened. That's different from yeah. go back, going back, and erasing things out of the history textbook. Yeah, it's not. It's quite different from German textbooks where you do mm. not have the entire history of the atrocities. Mm-hmm. It's different from uh, tech most textbooks which don't talk about what the what the British did when they colonized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know that India India had the third uh, was the third largest economy in the world before the arrival of the British? Oh, really? In the world, mm. the third largest economy, and what and the British left it as a fucking mess. Third largest economy. From the third largest, and yeah. that is never talked about in history textbooks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and they, uh, this this idea of um, you know Sashi Tarur talks about how the um, oh the the one of the things that the, the British will always say is response like oh we came in and we built the railroads we built this transport network yeah well you you came in and you built the railroads so you can get to rape and pillage that part of the country right yeah. it was all about your access wait a minute there's a whole lot of uncharted territory there yeah. that we haven't conquered and destroyed and, and what's and, the and, fastest and way we can get there we'll build a train track yeah, yeah. it's also it yeah. sounds anyway. like um, ICO sort of solved a problem that we talked about earlier about transactions in Bitcoin being slower and, and taking longer right and that's why they're not based on the, on the Bitcoin network I see got it they're based on other cryptocurrencies can, can these tokens be used to buy uh, let's say like from the for electrify but you want to use it for a telco can you take that token and use that, that sure way? if someone if someone will pay for it uh, okay so so what what's being done to educate the the future 
like with young kids about this sort of stuff or it's just too new to be even like shared uh, how about young kids i mean how much do you learn about money we should yeah we should actually all we, should, about, we should we should all learn yeah. about economics from a very young age but we yeah, don't it's exactly. something we all had to yeah. teach ourselves somehow fumble through yeah um so we should be learning about it earlier but i'll be curious to see how as it is how already how finance degrees how you know how what, what is it what is it in us what's their finance uh, faculty what are they teaching have they started is there much about cryptocurrencies in the curriculum i'd be very curious to know because I'm, hell it should what's the point of training up yeah. an entire I mean, entire uh, uh, generation if you look at what we do i think it took a while before degrees in media yeah. actually factored in like yeah, oh right. youtube yeah. is something that you guys should pay attention <laughs> <about>. <laughs> really yeah for the longest time it's always yeah youtube is for amateurs yeah. i mean in to be honest in the industry right now you do get that sort of sentiment where people look at YouTube and Facebook. So I've heard from people in the industry as well say they don't want to put their videos on YouTube. They would rather put it on Vimeo because YouTube cheapens their content. Right. And I'm mm. like, have you tried fucking watching a video on Vimeo and like buffering it in Singapore? It's fucking shit. So, and this was just last year. I think I had a huge debate with that person. Like, why? Just put it on both, dude. You're, you're yeah. not you're not killing anything. So there's this whole perception that anything new is like, or like if it's if it's too mass, it's it cheapens. Oh, fuck all that shit. <laughs> so so like I'm pretty sure that finance finance degrees in Singapore probably around the world have not caught no, up. Yet. I'm sure they haven't caught up. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean most of the things that I read or see interviews, like what you said, the yeah. people who have been doing this for a while, they're like Bitcoin is a <coughs> Bitcoin is gonna blow up. I mean Bitcoin is gonna like burst and all this yeah. shit. Huh. That is. I think the or the card full. Oh. Yeah. I think also we just carry on for a few more minutes because. Uh, with the it's been what like an hour 45 minutes yeah so many things also we can talk about like non-bitcoin but I'll leave that for the future for the future for the future <laughs> episode 2 yeah I'm doing kangaroos and all that <laughs> this, so many I'll stories dude <laughs> I'll turn up in my Kelvin Brown cape yeah so you're still walking Captain out very often Captain Testy right? you're still walking out very often now no man, I've lost so much fucking weight. Yeah, fucking story now. Um, this is yeah. I need to get back into it. More. So you don't work out at all now? I do, but yeah. it's like once a week mm. or something. It's pathetic. Yeah, once or twice a week. You, <laughs> once a week. <laughs> I had a baseline. Well, this is nonsense. What do you mean baseline? I built up a baseline. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but baselines can go, go like that, dude. Yeah, true. Yeah, I'm still you, eating relatively healthy. Chill, huh? I, yeah, I control my. Well, I'm eating my fucking stuff right now. But you come to Singapore, you let go, right? Everything, hunt down me. Except rice yeah. for lunch. So where are you staying now in Singapore at home? Oh. Okay. We're not live at the moment, right? No. Do you know no. what? Oh, yeah, we'll go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so so like we've covered a lot today. I think that's that's I need to wrap my head around a lot of things that were discussed today. If people wanted to find out just a bit more about Bitcoin, right? Yeah. Where what where should they look up? Or I mean, besides listening to this podcast, of course. Of course. Mm, right? Yeah. Like where where should people go to to look or um, watch or how, how to educate themselves? Yeah. 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 There isn't a single source that I would put out there. Unfortunately, yeah. that's what you're looking for. I'm not going to be able to give you that. Yeah. Um. I can't remember how I educated myself on crypto, which was to essentially read everything I get my hands on. 
of which there's a lot of information out there and and listen to listen to podcasts listen to uh there's a lot of youtube channels dedicated to this um and just listen to everything you can and eventually you will start to realize what makes sense and what doesn't because it is hard to filter out the mm. the guys who don't know what they're talking about from the guys who know what they're talking about but it was the stuff that doesn't mix the more you read into it after a while it becomes very clear what doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. um so i would just start reading voraciously and and how how would bitcoin help singaporeans get the five c's as quickly as possible <laughs> just because i mean that's a important question i think yeah. a lot of people have yeah. what are the five c's again can you remind me credit card i don't I, know what it is card, cash long. condo car country club country club yeah, yeah. i don't know what it is a thing now maybe yeah. growing up we heard it a lot country i haven't heard club. i haven't heard the six c cryptocurrencies and the yeah. six c's <laughs> no but crypto oh for some reason i thought cryptocurrency was spelled with a k but i'm offering you <laughs> Yeah, okay. I was thinking like kryptonite. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, actually, it's the six C's. Yeah. Six C's. Six C's. What? Yeah. Yeah. Born here. You yeah. heard it here first. That's going to be the title of the podcast. The, the six, six C's. Put it on the ledger. Put it on the ledger. Ooh. Blockchain. Yeah, ledger. no one can take this away from us, man. No. Um, six C. From, from a very, very simple minded standpoint, the, there is a lot of money that is being made. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is still very, very early days. Everyone is worried that, oh, have I missed the boat? Have I missed the boat? Have I missed the boat? I've been hearing, have I missed the boat every two weeks for the last year? And the price has just gone up steadily and steadily. And they're like, oh, well, well when was the best time to buy? Uh, when was the best time to buy Bitcoin or crypto? Well, the best time was six months ago. And the best time then was six months before that. The best time then was six months before that. Mm. The best time is, just to, is to get in. Um, and yes, there was there times where it feels like the market is inflated. But, you know, I felt, I remember buying not the first time I bought in, but one of the later times when I bought in and you, you kick yourself, you're like, I should have bought in more earlier. Why am I buying it now? Because it's gone. It's like three times the price of when I first, first bought it. Yeah. You kick yourself. But between buying at $600 and buying at $2,000 and you're like, oh man, such a big difference. But then when it hits $20,000, you're like, well, actually that, that doesn't mean yeah. Yeah. It doesn't inconsequential. Mean it's completely inconsequential. And that's what you need to consider. Um, and I do believe that the potential is huge, that we're nowhere yeah. close to even um, to what the, what the maximum potential is. If you really think it's the future, mm-hmm. then the market cap of Bitcoin at the moment is how much? $200 billion, mm-hmm. which is nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. I think the market cap of gold is $7 trillion. Mm-hmm. So as more and more of the fiat currency market starts to slowly trickle over into the crypto market, the amount of volume, the amount of uh, value is going to go up and up and up. And if you consider that Bitcoin is a limited resource, there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin. Then that whatever value is going in has to be constantly divided by those same, by that same 21 million. Yeah. And with only 21 million Bitcoin out there, there isn't enough for everyone to be a Bitcoin millionaire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't enough to go around. Yeah. So the, there's not only a knowledge imbalance, but also a, a chronological imbalance. And that the earlier get in, mm-hmm. um, the greater slice of the pie you're going to have. Damn. Damn. Okay. I still got a lot more questions, but I'll keep it for the next time. Episode Do you have any, any other questions? No, I think we're good. So, yeah. okay. So, if I, were, if I had to explain my final question, if I had to explain yeah. what Bitcoin is to my mom, right? Yeah. In like two or three lines. <laughs> that is exactly why you said is it it's tough to. He says it's tough. People are always asking you to yeah. do it in two or three lines. Yeah, I'm going to be one of those people. Maybe four lines. Uh, I'd say it's a, it's a digital currency or it's a, it's a digital asset that yeah. stores value. 
um, that doesn't depend on uh, any sort of centralized authority like a bank or a government um, and its value is determined solely by the using populace okay um, yeah, yeah I think that works yeah. I and might have to change a few words because if I tell my mom populist should be what's populist in the bookstore, bookstore. The front, yeah. just tell us the 60 just <laughs> yeah. tell us the 60 oh, beyond the 5 yeah alright cool man cool yeah thank you very much for joining us Dr. Prash thank you for having me yeah cool thank man alright see you next time yeah see you next time